Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line. And now, here are your hosts, award-winning influencer and pioneering author of seven books, Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. Habits exist when our intuitive system, the system one, observes some environmental cue, so something that happens out out in the world, and it responds by saying, essentially, I know what's supposed to happen here. And then it tries to be helpful by pulling up all of these automatic responses that nudge us in a direction. My New Year's resolution is to listen to you more. Particularly okay, at the end of podcast. That'll mostly be pain. I'll, war- I'll warn you now. <laughs> I look at a cream bun and I go, ooh, that's nice. I'm just about to go on a podcast with Ryan. I'm feeling stressed. Oh, look, cream bun. I'll have that because I know that this is going to be stressful and that's going to give me some form of reward. Ryan. Happy New Year, mate. Thank you. Happy New Year to you as well, Colin. Thank you so much. i tell you what, here we are. We're on YouTube now. We're just about to come into the 2023. This is being launched, I believe, on um, uh, the 31st of December 2022. So happy New Year tomorrow, mate. Thanks. That means we're, we're going to be, when this launches, we're going to be moving into a period of about four months where I will continue to write 2022 on everything that I do. <laughs> I tell you what, writing 2022, it just, there's sometimes when I take a step back and I think, bloody hell, that's 2022. Yeah. That's just, that's 2022. Yeah. You know, I remember back in, you know, 1998 thinking, cool, 2022 is God, yeah, we're, we're now like future. decades past a lot of sci-fi novels. We'll uh, be on Mars by then, you know. Oh, dear. Yeah, you, Ryan and I will have a successful podcast. You yeah. never know your luck. That's right. <laughs> Dare to dream. <laughs> so today, I am sure that everybody here, or a number of you, are sitting there thinking, hmm, I wonder what my... Uh, New Year's resolution should be. Right. Probably not saying it in a stupid voice like that, but there you go. Maybe that was their resolution. <laughs> use more stupid voices throughout the... In fact, yeah. I, I think I've got a new New Year's resolution. <laughs> yeah, maybe we should do that for the future. We're going to look a bit at New Year's resolutions. We're going to look at what works and mm-hmm. what doesn't work and and all those other wonderful things. Yeah? Yes. This is actually was born from, it was a year ago on the 24th of December, that I finished losing a lot of weight. It's a little weird for you to have a date for when you stopped losing weight, Colin. <laughs> Usually people have a date for when they start a diet. You were like, all right, I see this Christmas pie, and I got to tell you, like, this is the end. This is the last date. It seared on my brain, which is why it was so significant to me, Okay. I've struggled with, and I'm going to tell this personal story just because I think there's lots of sort of little bits of learning coming out of there, so I'm going to bore you for a moment. I've struggled with my weight all my life, okay? All you've got to do is Google Colin Shaw, and you'll see me at various different weight stages throughout my my last 20 years, okay? And my wife and I 
decided to go on a big diet because my wife needed to go for a big back operation a year ago last September we went on a diet and it was one of these really sort of crash diets right okay um ultra low low calorie diet i mean it, it was medically supervised or recommended right you guys well did. yes it was it was it was yeah so that's i just didn't point. want to give the impression that you guys were like drinking nothing but juice and eating celery no. on your own whim like, no so it, my it wife because she yeah my wife because she has um a back problem and was needed to have an operation the consultant basically said look you need to lose weight before we we do this he suggested this diet i'll put a link in the show notes i'm not being paid anything by doing that i just given new year's resolutions people may want to look at it it's called a thing called lighter life and one of the things that he talked about was because interestingly enough he was overweight as well okay and one of the things he talked to us about when we were there having this sort of consultation was the fact that when you eat you're not just eating because you're hungry but you're eating because of the way you feel mm. and he suggested this particular diet one of the advantages that came along with it was that they provided some counseling at the same time because what he was saying which i do in this podcast you know i like all this stuff was saying it's a sort of the relationship that you have with food and i would extend that to other things that you get into habits for that started to sort of intrigue me a bit and so we started this diet the good news was i've lost 90 pounds which is a lot basically that's, that's, uh, I, that's I, a lot I, any way you want to frame yeah, that that's a lot it, it, it is I, I, i'm just trying to think of the the conversions but it's a lot 90 pounds anyway long and short of it was that when i started to examine why i was eating i discovered that a lot of the things i was doing was from habitual perspective mm -hmm. and was also due to the way i was feeling and therefore the relationship i had with food okay so let me give you an example if i was particularly upset or stressed guess what i would do i would eat yeah if i if something had gone particularly well guess what let's go out and celebrate right yeah right. and you start to sort of build all this every time I got up from my desk to stretch my legs. The first thing I did was to go to the fridge and I became a great grazer. So I would still have my meals, but I became a great grazer. The interesting bit for me was it's an, was an automatic process that just happened automatically, which is again, in the whole space that we're talking about here. And I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you for your your psychoanalysis of me other than I'm completely mad in a moment. The other part of it was then the way that I was then thinking and talking about food. So on previous diets, because I've been on many diets in my life, on previous diets, I was saying, I can't have this. Yeah, I can't eat that. I'm not allowed to eat that. I say we had this counselor that helped us sort of think all this stuff through and what you realized was that it's actually all in your brain yeah one of the things that she talked about was 
and little tricks that she gave us was to say things like, not I can't have that, but to say, I could have that, but I'm going to have it tomorrow. In other words, you're not telling your brain something very negative. You're telling your brain that you could do it, and maybe you will do it at some point, but it's not going to be this particular moment. And I find little things like that really helped as I've then, over that period of time and ever since then, felt I'm really feeling stressed. I fancy something to eat. Thinking, no, the only reason that you want something to eat is because you're feeling stressed. It's because you've just finished recording some podcasts with Ryan. Yeah, and very stressed. Stressed yeah. through the roof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> very, and beforehand, very anxious about right, the recordings sure. no, as well. Yeah. <laughs> Notice I haven't said happy yet. No, no, no. <laughs> Nobody was expecting that. <laughs> but does that make sense? Yeah, uh, so there's there's two broad things. The the second one that you mentioned, what I like about that is that's just a framing effect, a framing manipulation that you're performing on yourself. So we've we've talked about framing before in various contexts. So loss framing is one that we've talked about plenty of times. This is something that we do in persuasion. It's often surprising that we can do a lot of these things to ourselves if we want to. That's what you were doing. You know, that's this what this consultant this counselor recommended is that instead of thinking about this in a negative term try thinking about it in a a more neutral or positive term and that'll a lot of times make it easier ryan we've reached a new milestone mate what is that i now have seventy thousand people signed up for my linkedin newsletter called why customers buy 70,000. That's very impressive, Colin. That just so happens to be slightly more than the capacity of the first energy stadium where the Cleveland Browns play in Cleveland, Ohio. I've got to tell you, mate, that doesn't surprise me. My milestone doesn't seem as good now you mention Cleveland Browns. (laughs) Uh, Hey, beating the Cleveland Browns is still an accomplishment. It still is. (laughs) It would be for my five-year-old, but not for most football teams. Anyway, if you'd like to sign up for my newsletter, go onto LinkedIn and search for Why Customers Buy, or just go to my profile, Colin Shaw, and sign up for a free LinkedIn newsletter. So let's talk about this. Now I've got that personal story out of the way, and let's and that sort of just to make it sort of illustrative. Let's talk about this in this in the context of. Uh, New Year's resolutions, yeah. really what we're talking about here is change. Yeah. Okay. Whether it's change at an individual level or change at an organizational level, you're talking about change because you're talking about human beings, aren't you? Yeah. And for me, there's two or three important parts of it. One is the emotions linked to the action. The second part of it is habits and how powerful those can be and destructive those can be because they can be positive or negative. And the third part of it is that whole area of, of framing, isn't it? Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to even simplify it there and say that a lot of number one and number two are actually can be approached from the same perspective. So I think that some of the reason that we form good and bad habits is around the emotions that those behaviors elicit. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Good point. 
So I think that when we when we talk about New Year's resolutions, uh, most often we are talking about either breaking bad habits or forming good habits or both. Yeah, I think it's useful for us to briefly review habits and what they are, and then we can kind of tie this into New Year's resolutions more broadly. And yeah, it sounds good. Back to to the example you gave because I think that was very illustrative and will be very common to any anyone listening to this. We've all We've all been through the same experience you described, often not as successfully as, as you were. Habits are pretty straightforward. Let's go back to something we've talked about a lot, which is the, this two-system model of cognition. The idea that people have within themselves two different ways of thinking about things. In the, the psychology literature, uh, we call these system one and system two, which is not very intuitive. So when you and I wrote our book, we called them the intuitive system and the rational system. Habits exist when our intuitive system, the system one, observes some environmental cue, so something that happens out out in the world, and it responds by saying, essentially, I know what's supposed to happen here, and then it tries to be helpful by pulling up all of these automatic responses that nudge us in a direction. So they can be memories, they can be emotions, they can be desires or goals, all of these things, but they, they're they not overpowering. In other words, like there's this view of habits as like, well, once a habit is kicked in, we can't do anything about it. Don't think of it that way. Instead, what it does is it, it lines us up to respond in a certain way. It makes a certain response easier for us. So far, so good? Let me be clear for the audience. I'm sure a lot of you people know this, but I'm sure also some others don't, that the intuitive system, system one, is automatic. We don't get a choice about whether we think this or not. It's effectively the gut reaction to a situation that you're in. It's the automatic situation you're in. And you will execute against that unless something tells you to stop, which is effectively system two, or as we call it, the rational system. So I look at a cream bun and I go, ooh, that's nice. Yep. I'm feeling I'm so in fact let's build that up. I'm just about to go on a podcast with Ryan. I'm feeling stressed. Yes, very stressed. Oh look, green bun. I'll have that because I know that this is going to be stressful and that's going to give me some form of reward. Exactly. Uh, or sugar high or whatever it may be, because my rational system hasn't come in and gone, wait, you're meant to be on a diet. Don't do that. Excellent. So thank you for for that clarification. That's really important. The intuitive system is automatic and we don't control it. So think of it like the the pancreas of your brain. You can't control your pancreas. You can't make it work harder or slower or faster. It just does its thing. System one is like that. Like it's even though it's part of our mind, we cannot actively control it. And so it's there just contributing. So it's, it's the part that goes, that reminds you when you see a cream bun that, oh, this is something that you really like, right? Let's, let's pull up memories of when you've eaten that before and enjoyed it. And so it kind of is nudging you in that direction towards the cream. So we've got this, this environmental cue. That's one part of a habit. We've got the automatic response. That's the second part of the habit. And then we've got the rational system, which can either move in that direction or not. The third part of habits is the one that you mentioned, which is this reinforcement mechanism, right? So if when we see the environmental cue and we automatically have this set of responses and then we get some kind of reward for doing that, 
That's what locks a habit in place. If you've ever trained a dog, you've gone through this process, right? Psychologists call it operant conditioning. Giving the dog a cream bun. Right, whatever it takes uh, to reward the dog to get that dog to do what you want it to do. Right. So for, for dogs, the rewards are usually pretty straightforward. It's, you know, things like a treat, some kind of food, affection. For people, uh, we can have a lot more rewards. If we make something easy, that can be a reward. So we don't have to think about it. That That's a reward. These emotions that you were talking about, that can serve as a reward. If it if it tamps down our anxiety, that's a reward. If it makes us feel good, that's a reward. Yeah. The thing that, that people sometimes miss, though, in this process, all of those rewards that form those habits, they have to be rewards that our intuitive system appreciates. Right. So not all rewards work. So if you've got a goal of, like, looking great for swim season, right? I want to look great in my in my bathing suit come summer. And so I want to exercise, do that. That reward of eventually looking good, that is not something that our intuitive system can pick up on. It doesn't care about long-term goals, right? It cares about cream buns, right? It, it cares about chocolate cake. It cares about sleeping in. Those are rewards. So immediacy. Immediacy. And, and also kind of like base or intuitive rewards. So emotional rewards, you know, kind of reward systems around taste or affection, all of these things, it will, social cues, all of these things that will respond to immediately. This helps explain the asymmetry in the habits that we form. So if we want to form a good habit, say you want to start running every morning when you wake up, right? So you set your alarm clock and that's your, your environmental cues. So when your alarm clock goes off, what you want is then to get out of bed, put on your shoes and go running. Well, that environmental cue is going to like pull up a series of, of actions that system one, this intuitive system is like saying, oh, okay, so put on your shoes and then go out and do the thing. Unfortunately for most of us, for me especially, I hate running. And so there's no reward mechanism that reinforces that habit, right? So we've got this good action that we want to take, but our intuitive system is not getting any reward out of that. And instead, it's, it's often getting punishment. We feel sore. We have to get out of bed, which system one likes staying in bed. And so there's nothing to reinforce that. So good habits tend to be very difficult to form. Bad habits, on the other hand, if you, after dinner, start eating a chocolate, yep. then in like three days, you can form that habit to always have a chocolate after dinner. Because having a chocolate is an intuitive system reward. And so your intuitive system will respond to that and go, oh, dinner's over. Well, I know what's supposed to happen now. And it'll cue up those behaviors because it it's, enjoys that, that reward. Sure. And I guess it must be thinking about it because again, if I think back to the diets that I've been on over the years, you, 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 you put things off as well, don't you? So in other words, I can start the diet tomorrow. I'll, I'll, I'll wait till Monday. And then I'll and then I'll start it. Well, there's and, a reason and, that we do New Year's resolutions. Like we all could have started the diet on December 21st. There's nothing magical about New Year's Day, but it serves as kind of a trigger. And and you know, and then as soon as we fail on our resolution on like January 3rd, it's like, well, got to wait another year. You know, I certainly can't start a diet on January 7th. Got to wait until next year. 
But it also makes me think about when you think of New Year's resolutions, and I've like loads of people have, have made loads and broken loads, is I think it's just about how serious you are, isn't it? And again, if I was to equate this again into business and to customer experience, lots of organizations have said, we're going to improve our customer experience. They've started to get into it and gone effectively, gone, hey, this is tougher than we thought. I'm exaggerating to make a point. Ah, let's not bother. Let's not give it the resources. Let's not put the money into it, the people, whatever it may be, because effectively what you're saying is is not worth it. It reminds me of something. Last week we did the podcast on uh, the things that we learned last week. Not the things we learned last week, but the things we've learned for this year, and we launched it last week. And one of the things that, that just might remind me of was uh, when I was thinking about that, I watched a video where somebody said one of the key things is understanding that no response is a response. Mm. And I thought, I like that because not doing something is just as much a response as saying, no, I'm not going to do it or saying, yes, I am going to do it. In fact, to a certain extent, it's even more voluble response, isn't it? If voluble is a word. No, I, going back to your point, so I think habits are an important part of resolutions and change, not understanding how bad habits form and how we can break them, understanding how we can form good habits. But especially for something like a good habit, your point about needing to motivate that change is a good one. There's this cliche almost about how long it takes to form a habit. I'm sure you've heard this. Uh, I think I have. Go on. Oh. Good. I'm glad you haven't. Um, so th- there's a bit of bad advice out there. I have a habit of not not taking much notice of what you tell me. Is that a, a good <laughs> habit or a bad habit? I can't remember. I, that, that tends to work well for people. Actually. <laughs> That's a good habit. There's a bit of advice out there that says that it takes 21 days to form a habit. That's right. Yeah. And so if you if you want to form, form a habit, you need to do something for every day for 21 days. And I don't know where that number comes from. There may even be some study somewhere that that showed that on average, that's how long it took. I just, I don't believe it. Like it's, because like I said, bad habits, you can form immediately. But good habits, there's nothing magical that happens on day 22. It's not like you struggle to run every morning when you wake up. And then on day 22, all of a sudden now it's easier. For a lot of good habits, this motivation part needs to be there. It takes time to form a habit. Um, it's yeah. like a good habit until it forms and, and your automatic system starts helping you. It requires willpower. You just, you need to be able to do it. And that requires motivation. So, and the interesting thing is, as you were talking about it, I was thinking to myself, what's the definition of good now, yeah. a good habit. Wow. So how do I really fast? Okay. Yeah. How do I, how do I define a good habit? For me, it goes back to that sort of motivation. One of the reasons that Lorraine and I lost the weight we did was because of her need to have this operation on her back. So that provided the motivation. That was the key, which is if I was to look at times in the past where we'd lost weight, then we didn't necessarily have that motivation or that willpower to carry on. And the real interesting thing for me actually is it's not the losing the weight that's the issue. It's the keeping it off. Sure. 
because again I've I've lost weight in the past but it's then the the real battle becomes forming the habits and this is actually in, interesting forming the habits that you want to have for the rest of your life but the other part is how easy it is to slip in back into the old habits and it, they're, they're a bit like a old pair of shoes you know they're very comfortable mm-hmm. because that's the way that you're sort of not created but that's the way that you've lived and you're ha- you're happy with that and suddenly it's a bit like um do they have in the state do they have dry january yes it's become a thing uh, yeah and, and like- it has it it has in england yeah, yeah. I, I have to say we don't drink a lot of alcohol uh, so this is where social... people make the goal of not drinking any alcohol for yeah not not drinking any alcohol for the month of january so as i say I, I don't drink a lot of alcohol we're social drinkers so it's never that's never really been a challenge for me but a, a number of my friends do it and the interesting bit well, then is... i think we need to make a goal for you of lush april uh, you drink a lot <laughs> maybe i should drink the, all the alcohol that they haven't drunk that's right exactly it's probably and then I would f- in january <laughs> and then i'll forget it's january but the point i was trying to get to there was that's for a limited period isn't it and that feels achievable and maybe that's then within maybe that's like that framing bit which is i could have a drink but i'm going to have it tomorrow so you get to the end of January, I could have a drink, but I'm going to have it tomorrow. The danger is that if you just go, well, that was January and I'm now going to restart, Yeah, that's fine if that's the way what you want to do. But the other part of that is, well, if you actually want to change things permanently, then how do you start reframing things after just a month, as it were? Yeah, the, the research on goal setting and goal maintenance is vast. And it's because this is so complicated, exactly what you're saying. For a lot of us, like when we have that hard goal, that hard endpoint, like I want to lose weight for this reunion or lose a certain amount of weight, then when we hit that goal, it can be very motivational to get there. But then once we hit it, that can then be demotivational. Like maintenance is harder in some ways than progress because there's no reward. Like the reward is, well, things didn't get worse this week. And that's not as rewarding. And so we need to, to then shift and look for other sources of yes. motivation, which, which yeah. can be good. No, absolutely. Yeah, good. We hope that that has given you some insight a bit into um, New Year's I've, resolutions. I've, well, before we before we close out, I've I've got some recommendations. Like we can. Oh, blimey! Hard. I feel like we I feel like we, we gave people a I'll lot of bad news. I've got I've got. Right. Well, well, my New Year's resolution is to let to check with you that you haven't got some form of insight that you want uh, to share with us you, before you I decide to close the, numbers, the podcast. Colin. I mean, how often do I have something intelligent to say at the end? Like that was, <laughs> you were just playing smart. All right, so. My, my recommendation is actually based off of something that an actor said. So there's this great actor named uh, Terry Crews, and he's been in a number of different things. So you can look him up if you're not familiar with his name. He is tremendously physically fit. The guy just has muscles on muscles on muscles. And so he gets a lot of people, when they meet him, asking him about how they can get in shape. What works for you? What can I do to get better in shape? And he actually gives fantastic advice. 
like really lines up with the psychology, um, whether he knows it or not. His advice to people, he's, he says that that when people engage in, in an exercise program, they do it wrong because they'll, they'll like New Year's Day or, or January 2nd, we're going to go to the gym and we're going to hit it hard. And we're going to like do. And what that does is it just builds up the pain. So it might be a little socially awkward going into a gym if you haven't been for a long time. It's a little intimidating. And then you really hit it hard. And then the next day you're so sore you can barely move. System one is picking up on all of that and going, this is terrible. Like, why would we ever do this? And so now that willpower that it took to get you to the gym in the first place, now system one is actively fighting against you and saying, like, stay in bed. This is awful. So his advice is, and now my advice to you, is work on building up intuitive system rewards. So if you want to go to the gym, for example, his advice is to just go and don't don't exercise. Like sit on an exercise bike and, and um, pedal as slowly as you can and read a magazine. Or go go and hang out with a friend and just have a conversation. Or take a packed lunch with you and take have, a lunch. have it, it, was- it His goal is, he says the goal should be to go to the gym. Right. Just make that the goal. Go and then make it as enjoyable as you can. There was a study they did where people who went to the gym could listen to these audio books that were like cliffhanger books, like like mystery books, but you could only listen to the book when you were at the gym. And so it provided this sense of enjoyment. Yeah, yeah. It was That's a good idea. I like that. Make that the goal. And then now your automatic system is like being rewarded. Now it's working for you to try to and once you've once you've developed that habit where you're going, you know, then you can ease your way into the exercise, but kind of front load the benefits, the automatic system, the intuitive system benefits, and put off the pain as much as you can, right? Ease into that. Yeah, good idea. That's my advice. That was worth waiting for, mate, I have to tell you. My New Year's resolution is to listen to you more, particularly at the end of podcast. That'll mostly be pain, I'll I'll warn you now, but um, (laughs) good. It's worth it for the occasional gem. (laughs) (laughs) okay so we hope that's been of use we hope you set some really good new year's resolutions and both business and personal and we hope you stick to them and let us know how they go and we look forward to talking to you next week okay cheers this has been the intuitive customer with colin shaw and professor ryan hamilton but it doesn't end here Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcasts. We look forward to talking with you next time on The Intuitive Customer. Intuitive Customer.